3: We are full throttle ahead on today's edition of Pro Football Full Circle right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network. Sirius Channel 159, Joe Lisi and Scott Wetzel kicking it around for the next couple of hours. A lot of news and notes to get into. No shock that the Las Vegas Raiders fired General Manager Mike Mayock. He was there with John Gruden. They get rid of him. Now we're in the search for a new head coach and new general manager, for Las Vegas news uh, surrounding San Francisco quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo dealing with a slight shoulder sprain the line on FanDuel Sportsbook now has Green Bay instilled as a five and a half point favorite Sunday afternoon against the San Francisco 49ers but Scott the news of the day right Matt Stafford did not win a playoff game entering last night's battle against Arizona LA opened up as a three and a half four point favorite by kickoff they were down to three and And Stafford stepped up with a good performance, 202 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. They ran at will on that front seven. And they move on now to face Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I guess
4: he could take credit for it, right, but 13 completions for barely 200 yards. You know that that's the only way Matthew Stafford can win a football game. You know it kind of reminds me of the Frank Reich thing. If you watch the uh, uh, the uh, the Hard Knocks special that HBO had in season, where he said somewhere along the line Carson Wentz is going to have to win us a football game. Well, Carson Wentz wasn't good enough to win you a football game, and that's kind of the same thing with Matthew Stafford, right? Somewhere along the line they're going to count on Matthew Stafford to have to throw the football for 350 yards and two touchdowns. Not 202 on 13 completions, but for one game against the pathetic Arizona Cardinals, it was good enough. So he gets off the schneid, Joe, and he gets his first uh, playoff victory.
3: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it, absolutely pathetic. What was that for Kyler Murray and the crew? If you want to see a deer in the headlights, I think you look at the first two quarters of that ballgame last night, what was Cliff Kingsbury and Arizona doing? I mean, just came out completely flat, no intensity. Kyler Murray, honestly, looked like a rookie. And when I mean rookie, I mean like a a Mac quarterback trying to take over in terms of the reins uh, of a divisional champ. I just never saw Kyler Murray look like that in terms of his days at Texas A&M or even Oklahoma, for that matter, just looked like the stage was too big for him last night. Listen, they lost five of their last six down the stretch. You know,
4: I I knew that going into the game, losing four or five. I still like them, I have to say. But now when you look back at it, you say, why? You know, they lost five of six. Kyler Murray's been a big baby this season. If you watch the games, he's sulking during the games. You know, he has got that attitude on his face of, like, I'm great. Everyone else is bad and uh he's been awful i mean jalen hurts i'll give him an excuse but he was bad you know all these quarterbacks that need to scramble to survive in the league they're getting exposed in the postseason joe when you play better teams you can't live like that you just can't you got to be able to drop back seven steps and throw the football in, into his own defense or a man-to-man defense or whatever the case may be and these quarterbacks said it a thousand times and you get criticized because you think oh you, you just don't like that stuff They're not any good. They're just not good quarterbacks. You know, without them scrambling and playing backyard school football, they're not good quarterbacks. And I think, you know, Kyler Murray is showing that, as Jalen Hurts did, as Baker Mayfield has. You know,
3: all these guys, they're all showing that they're not good quarterbacks. Right. When the stage is big, they just haven't stepped up. And obviously, that offensive line broke down. James Conner did not have a stitch in terms of the running room early in that matchup. That was a testament to Aaron Donald in the front seven. I'll take it a step further too. I mean, if you're L.A., you do now face off against Tom Brady. This was a team earlier in the year where the Buccaneers had back-to-back road games. They went on the road and got abused by Matt Stafford in L.A. It was close for about a quarter. But in the second half, L.A. just ran away Will on the defense of the Tampa Bay Bucks. Now they're catching four, four and a half. And I, you know, I just think that the NFL has set the stage, right? For LA to be successful. It seems like every year the NBA with Milwaukee last year in terms of winning the championship, they want to have the marketability of that particular star. It just seems like this year it's setting up for LA and Matt Stafford. Aaron Rodgers, the negativity about the vaccines, Tom Brady, been there, done that. Who else do you have? in terms of the NFC outside of Paisano, Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco, right? (laughs) I mean, the boy wonder, doesn't it seem like the NFL now is pushing the LA Rams down our throat? I don't know. i I'm not so not not any more than Tampa Bay.
4: I still think it's going to be Tampa Bay versus Green Bay, you know. So I don't, you know, somebody had to win one of these two games. You could have said the same thing against Arizona, right? With with Boy Wonder Junior there, Cliff Kingsbury <laughs> and Kyler Murray. So I I think you're getting a pretty good line, you know. To tell you the truth, if not for the Rams being so dominant last night, I I thought Tampa Bay uh would would have been a solid three and a half to four point favorite, kind of like what Green Bay is against San Francisco, but the Rams. You know, you got your A game out of the Rams. You know, they play like that, then they are capable of being uh, champs or going to the Super Bowl. I I just don't think they're going to do that two weeks in a row. But I don't, yeah, I don't get that kind of sense that they're 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 jamming. uh, You know, earlier on in the season when the Matthew Stafford trade was made, but but not now. We've, We've seen enough of their flaws to realize they're not that good of a football team.
3: This game was won in the trenches by the offensive, defensive lines of the Rams. And to think that Cooper Cup, five receptions, 61 yards, a touchdown. Odell Beckham stepped up 54 yards and a touchdown in the first half. If we can get productivity out of him, look out for Tampa Bay. When we come back, we'll dive into those divisional
2: playoff games. Joe Lisi and Scott Wetzel right here on The Grid
1: 21 plus only must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.
3: Back on Pro Football Full Circle, Joe Lisi, Scott Wetzel, kicking it around, getting you prepped and ready for the divisional playoff round of the nfl right now a lot of news and notes to get to i before we turn our attention to the battle in green bay uh scott i do want to talk about mike mayock and and the las vegas raiders no shock that he did get fired he was brought in by former head coach john grunin but i did find intriguing is that he did say that he did not want to take cleveland for pharrell fourth overall in the NFL draft a few seasons ago that, in fact, he did want to take Devin White. It's like a knock to John Gruden on his way out the door. Oh, that's not my – that wasn't my pick, and I wanted Devin White. What do you think? You think that Mayock's setting himself up for another potential GM job? Because I have to be honest, I don't think they did an overall bad job in terms of the the personnel or talent in Las Vegas. I think they're on the upstream, whoever takes over that program.
4: I don't think so Joe I think just the opposite I think without Derek Carr they'd be a last place team hey listen they may be a last place team in that division before uh, before everything is said and done anyway I they drafted so many mental midgets you look about all the issues uh that have occurred with those players off the field you know maybe there was one maybe there were two that he didn't want to draft but listen you're the GM you got you be the front guy you got to take the blame for it you know you want to you want to tell the world that it wasn't me uh, that I think that's so Bush motormouth may I he, he's a pain in the butt. Uh, you know, I never liked him on TV, and I liked him even worse as a GM, <laughs> but at least he was out of our faces with the Notre Dame broadcast. We'd have to listen to him yap for 25 <laughs> seconds a day. Nah, no, he, listen, man, you, all the idiots that they drafted, Antonio Brown, I guess, you know, Antonio Brown wasn't his fault either, right? You know, I mean, come on, please. Now he's going to say one guy out of all the failures they had? That's a bad football team. They don't have a head coach. They don't have a GM. They don't have a direction. You know, the Oakland Raider fan is saying, all right, Las Vegas, welcome to our world. Now, you thought you got yourself a real football team. Now, you got yourself a mess. Just, just a complete mess. So, not surprised he is out. I don't know why it took yeah. this long, but, uh, you know, I would have fired him when they got rid of Gruden, to tell you the truth. But I well, understand I think... You don't want to do that.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, they they were fighting at that particular time, right? They were three and right. one, three and two, and and still fighting at that particular time for a divisional uh, you know a lead at that particular point, and and got the victory the week after that. Gruden was fired. They knocked off uh, Vic Fangio and the Denver Broncos as five point underdogs, you know. And obviously, to keep continuity throughout the season, yeah, you have to be be honest that Mark Davis invested a lot in terms of this team, this city, and at the end of the day. Didn't want them to completely fall off a map with the head coach and GM gone, you know, in back-to-back weeks or back in one week for that matter. Right. I actually thought Basaccia did a pretty good job. And there was some tweets yesterday which showed Basaccia personally handwriting some some notes to players. I have to admit, you know, it's amazing that you don't see more coaches do that. And and granted he was an assistant for for all of his career, but at the end of the day, that's how you win players over, isn't it? I mean, it's one thing to be a marquee head coach. We see Nick Saban. We see Urban Meyer at the college level. But at the end of the day, it's amazing why we don't see more head coaches treat their players like uh, Bisaccia did yesterday. Yeah,
4: I mean, listen, that's all cute and everything. I mean, who's writing fifty? Who's got time to write in the patience to write fifty-five or so letters? What are you kidding me? All that stuff, you know, that works in college, you know, Joe. And I know you need to get. And I've long said this: I really don't care where a coach comes from, whether he's offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, special teams coach. I really don't. I, and I don't care if he's an offensive coordinator from a team that ranks dead last in offense. I, you know, I, because that's not what the head coach is anymore. Once you get to the head coach, you don't do. You don't deal with game plans. You know, you're not even calling plays for goodness sake. You think about how, uh, you know how on the outside a head coach is for most NFL jobs. You know, some guys still, but for the most part, you know, it's the offensive coordinators calling the plays. It's the offensive coordinator's working with the game plan. I mean, the, the head coach is just a figurehead that's got to kind of mesh it all together. And like I said, he may be a lousy coordinator, but if he's got the qualities to mesh it all together, like maybe Pasquale does. Then you go ahead and hire him because I'll I'll go get an offensive coordinator. I'll go get a great defensive
3: coordinator. That's not your job anymore. No, I agree. But let me ask you this because I agree to a degree. I think in the regular season, fine. Okay, you let your coordinators handle, take over, right? One thing: when you're in a playoff type of environment and you're on that last drive for the Dallas Cowboys, or you're in the last eight minutes of that ball game, you're getting paid the millions of dollars to make those calls. Mike McCarthy should not rely on Kellen Moore to make that call at the end. That's why he's the guy. You know, at some point, with the season hanging in the balance, you have to take control of the ship. I mean, it's one thing to see that things aren't going your way, but if you're the guy making five, ten, seven, I don't care what it is, at some point, you have to assume accountability and say, you know what, these guys are under me, I'm not getting the results that are warranted, and at the end of the day, it's win or go home. And and I don't think enough head coaches buy into that mentality, oh yeah, our coordinators, I believe it them yeah that's all well and good through the regular season but when it's die, you know do or die go big or go home you can't rely on Kellen Moore if you're Mike McCarthy or some of the other coaches to rely on a kid to make calls where the season is on the line and you know you potentially can get axed I mean I just don't I understand why they don't buy in I, I agree
4: wholeheartedly I'd like to know who called the uh, the fake punt who and, and more importantly who who made the decision rather than go for it after fourth down, we're going to run a fake punt? And then who was the bird brain that decided that not only are we going to do a fake punt, which somehow or another was successful when the whole world's saying there's got to be a fake here. They're down two scores and there's 10 minutes left. Who was the bird brain that decided that they were going to keep that same special teams unit on the field to run a second play, which I've never ever heard of watching 40 years of football where you run a fake punt and you keep that special teams unit on the field. But that's what was the, so was that a Mike McCarthy thing, you know, Joe, or or was that you know the offensive coordinator killing more? I I, I don't know, I, you know, I I or was I that, would, that the I special me, teams coach? Was it or fossil? A special teams coach, right? Maybe, maybe it was Fossil, right? I know right. me as as the the you know the, uh, the the personality I am. I would just never give up that control. I, I just I really I don't yeah, understand why a head coach. I don't care how good of a friend or buddy or how you see eye to eye with these guys. I mean to give up complete control of what
3: players. Going to be cool. I don't, I would never do that in a million years. It's like, it's, it's, it's almost like these coaches, right? Do this to have an out. And what I mean by that is we even saw it with Todd Bowles, with Gailey, Chan Gailey. It's like Chan Gailey was a has-been at the college level. You bring this guy in to be offensive coordinator, it's almost like you're, you're giving yourself an extra year because you could always use the excuse, oh, it wasn't me, it was Chan. It wasn't me, it was Kellen Moore. It's like at the end of the day, you're not taking accountability, and you're granting yourself another year because if you don't get it right in year one, you then buy yourself some extra time to say, You know what? I'll change up the coordinators and we'll get it right in year two or year three. And that's what they sell management. And that's how these guys continue to get jobs in terms of retreads. Right. Instead of just going all out. I'm like you. I'm a type A personality. You're going to put a a loss on my record. I'm going to have a say, especially when I'm getting seven million bucks about it. I mean, yeah. Mike McCarthy, unemotional, like, like, dude, step up and show some emotion. Your team is getting your ass kicked. Yeah, That's why I'm a
4: little surprised the Giants got rid of Joe Judge because the GM does the same thing in a lot of ways. He comes into a new job and says, all right, you, you got a head coach. I'm, I'm going to give him a year, and if he if he works, he works. Or who the hell cares who hired the guy, right? But if he doesn't, hey, don't blame me. You know, that you know, was your guy. So, you know, so almost the GM buys himself like, a, you know, a third head coach, you know, the one that was his incumbent, the one he can hire, the one he can say, all right, that was a mistake. I'm going to get a third guy, you know, so – uh, but you're right. That's what they do with these coordinators. Hey, don't blame me. You know, let's blame the coordinator, Joe Judge. Let's get rid of Jason Garrett. You know, Freddie Kitchens. He he was next. So, right. it's it's yeah. remarkable how they have a, have a buffer, even though they're making that kind of money.
3: it it really is I can't begin to tell you it is amazing in terms of how these coaches retain jobs and more importantly continue to get job after job after job is completely amazing when Scott and I return we'll dive into that battle in Nashville top-ranked Tennessee
2: and Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals coming up next
3: Back on Pro Football Full Circle, Joe Lisi, Scott Wetzel kicking it around, getting you prepped and ready. Before we turn our attention to Tennessee and Cincinnati quickly, I just want to get your thoughts. We were talking about head coaches, right, Scott? And I remember former running back for the Buffalo Bills and four-time Super Bowl appearance player uh, Thurman Thomas saying that he would give about five years off his life. To win a super bowl back in the day that's when they lost four straight right you think players and coaches feel that way in today's game no 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 no
4: <clears throat> They're definitely not you know maybe somewhere down the line they, they might but no we talked about it during the break here coaches and i've had this debate with the, with listeners all the time coaches and gms especially their main concern and owners is selling tickets and keeping their job. That, that's what they, they sell hope. That's their goal to keep their job is to sell hope, not to win Super Bowls. Uh, you know, most fans would take a Super Bowl once every 10 years. If I said I'm going to be in last place for nine years but win a Super Bowl the 10th year, fans would sign up for that. But GMs and head coaches won't, or owners, because the owners won't be selling any tickets for like six or seven of those years. The GM's going to get fired twice over and the head coach is going to get fired three times over. So it's those guys' goals to stay competitive. You know, draft offensive linemen that no one's ever heard of. Draft defensive linemen that no one's ever heard of. You need those guys. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, why Green Bay is the greatest example I can give you. You know, how come they're not helping uh, Aaron Rodgers? Because their goal is not to win a Super Bowl. Their goal is to keep their jobs. And they've done a great job up there keeping their jobs. Whether it's McCarthy up there forever. The GM's been there forever. You know, the owners are all kind of spread around. I don't know really who owns the team. Um, but the goal is just to say, to sell hope. And if you win a Super Bowl, great. But, you know, a lot of times it doesn't happen unless you do things like the Rams. Now, I'm not a big boy wonder fan, and you know how I feel about Matthew Stafford. But I, I will give the Rams organization credit. They have gone the extra mile. They're willing to mortgage the future to win now. Tampa Bay, obviously the same thing with with uh, Tom Brady. Those are the teams that really want to win. Most teams just want to be competitive, get to the playoffs, sell season tickets, sell PSLs, and uh, whatever happens in the postseason is just
3: gravy. Well, speaking of hope, Scotty. There's a lot of hope in Cincinnati with Broadway Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor yes. after their week a win weekend win over the Las Vegas Raiders. A little too close for comfort, you got to admit. I know you were sitting on the five-and-a-half ticket, six. It got a little too close for comfort with Derek Carr and the crew on the nine-yard line with a, a third and goal, fourth and goal. They can't convert. That defense stepped up for the Cincinnati Bengals. Now they go on the road. They face off against the top seed in the AFC in Tennessee and Ryan this line opened up at three it's up to three and a half on FanDuel minus 104 total set at 47 slightly juiced to the over at minus 112 Tennessee getting no love I mean plus 850 to win the Super Bowl Right when you think about the NFC top seed in terms of Green Bay plus three seventy, and then you have the other top seed at plus eight fifty with both Kansas City and Buffalo ahead of them, which is sort of amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean they're
4: almost the worst, the last choice. I, I mean it really is remarkable. One thing though, you know, I actually uh, learned something this weekend, which is amazing for me because I know everything, <laughs> right? We all know that. Right, omniscient. Yeah, Omnition. so is Although. that what it is? Okay, yeah, there you go. I, I knew that. <laughs> I learned another thing. How about that? Uh, did you realize that Cincinnati felt they were cursed? Like I've heard of the Red Sox curse, I've heard of the right. Cubs curse, I've heard of different kind of curses. Okay. But the Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Bungles, I was watching a game, and and don't ask why, but my my TV set, the satellite that I have comes from for this weekend came from Cincinnati, right? So okay. I'm watching a Cincinnati post game show. They felt they were cursed with the Bo Jackson tackle. Okay, i like, right. What? Yeah. So yeah, they the played tackle. off. That was the playoff game. Yeah. It was a playoff game against the Raiders. And, uh, you know, we all remember the play. I, I think Bo Jackson gets tackled. Bo Jackson's on the Raiders now, not, not the Bungles. Right. But uh, the, the guy makes the tackle. Bo never plays again. The guy who made the tackle you know, played only like two more years before he got hurt. And Bungle fans thought that gave the team a curse. You know, I personally, I always thought it was uh, Marvin Lewis uh, or uh, Andy Dalton, but (laughs) I guess I was wrong. I thought that was the curse. But they they labeled it the curse of the Bo Jackson tackle from – you know, 30 years ago or whatever interesting. it was. So, Very yeah, I didn't, interesting. I, didn't, I, didn't, I never heard of that curse. So they, they well, feel that the curse lifted from the from their shoulders.
3: Well, the last playoff win, I believe, came in 91, 93, or that game against Bo Jackson. What was that, 93 with Sam Weich in terms of head coach back in the day? I thought it was John Kittner that maybe potentially cursed the <laughs> that, team in terms, of, in terms of his play before, before Dalton got there. But, I mean, if there's one thing, Uh, You know, when you look at Cincinnati as a whole and Joe Burrow had a pedestrian day for the most part, a lot of short to intermediate throws, 247 yards, two TDs, no interceptions, Jamar Chase 116, but didn't break out for that elite play over the top 40, 50 yarder. Everything was, you know, dig routes and short passes. He's Cool Hand Luke. I mean, this kid just understands what it means to be an NFL quarterback. He's donning the the Cartier glasses in the press conference. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, cigars I mean, and everything. I yeah. mean, right? I mean, if the, the stage cannot be big enough, and we're talking about Kyler Murray and bashing him in the intro. I mean, just just night and day in terms of Kyler Murray and Joe Burrow and what they bring their respective organizations. I know, and again, all those bird brains. uh, You know, I shouldn't say that, but you know, I'll say
4: it. All those bird brains that that poo -poo Jamar Chase. You know, that draft. Oh, they should have taken the offensive lineman. It's your quarterback. Yeah, shut up. You know, I'll build a fat offensive lineman. I'm not gonna build a guy who can run a four three forty. So that they are. They're the face of the NFL. It's amazing. You know. Mahomes is still going to be Mahomes, but, you know, I think Cincinnati has clearly overtaken the Browns. I think they've clearly overtaken the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Um, You know, they're the face of the AFC. If you could place a bet on FanDuel, will this team win a Super Bowl within the next four years? I'd be all over Cincinnati as long as they don't screw things up, as long as your favorite head coach there doesn't screw things up, you know. Well, that's
3: that's the X factor. That's the X factor. Now, maybe they win a Super Bowl without Zach Taylor, and granted he's going to keep his job after this year's performance, but even go back to that game against Las Vegas, about two minutes left. Las Vegas has three timeouts, and he gets a little conservative at that particular time with a third down. Where Joe Burrow obviously is mobile, he can break containing, you could utilize his legs. You wind up kicking the football back to Derek Carr, and at the end of the day, if they if they do convert in terms of that last second touchdown or red zone appearance, could be a different story for Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor. Now I think yeah. when you look at this game, let me ask you this, because when you look at this matchup with Tennessee, obviously a rested group, Derrick Henry most likely comes back. You do have a concern if you're Cincinnati, if the Raiders were able to pound the rock with Josh Jacobs for 101 yards on the ground. Jacobs had 81 yards in that ball game. You have to be concerned that, that Derrick Henry gets his in this ball game early and often. I wonder, you know, how much do you think he has left, Joe? Or not left, but
4: how much do you think, you know, he's okay? You know, they said he was going to play the last regular season game. He didn't. Two more Is two more weeks going to be all the difference? And even if it is, you know, is it good enough to get the A, Derrick Henry? Do they wait? Here's my concern if I'm a Texans, uh, a Titans fan. Uh, you know, the backup was pretty darn good. Not, not great, great, but he was pretty darn good. So, am I going to shove Derrick Henry in there and not, you know, get 100% Derrick Henry and really kind of sacrifice what my uh, running game can be? Um, you know, is that really going to set me back? Is Derrick Henry returning versus having Deontay Foreman, you know, be there and, and just be the man? I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I, wow. I'm curious about that. Deontay Foreman cool. was pretty good. Not great, yes. but, but you know,
3: average 4.3 yards a carry. Identical to Derrick Henry. Identical. right? No, I get it. But, it, but it's just what we talked about with McCarthy. It's it, the pressures on Vrabel, right? You got the bye week. You got the number one overall seed. You got a hot young team with a hot quarterback that could get hot and, and challenge your defense vertically. Yeah. What's the way to neutralize that? You need the running game. Now, if I'm Mike Vrabel and I agree with you, I'm going to save the big guy. Until I definitely need him, if I'm running the first series and I see Foreman get shut down and I see my my offensive line not get to the second level, I'm concerned, right? And especially if Joe Burrow and that offense strike first, well, then I'm concerned that Tannehill, Brown, and Jones can match them score for score because I still believe Tennessee is an effective team when one, their defense forces turnovers, and two, when they're running the football. When they become completely one dimensional, like they were in that ball game at home against Houston, where they didn't run a stitch, then that puts the pressure on Ryan Tannehill, that puts the pressure on those wide receivers. And as good as AJ Brown is, you never know what you're gonna get from from Julio Jones up until this point. Yeah yeah he's
4: he's an injury waiting to happen right i mean clearly he's an injury waiting to happen so you don't know about him uh i'd be more concerned about him and, and he's playing than i would be derrick henry and he's not playing so, <laughs> and, and what 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 Bengals team are you going to get the Bengals or you're going to get the bungles you know you're going to get the Bengals team that beat baltimore on the road and pittsburgh on the road or are you going to get the bungles team that lost to the bears and giants and, and or excuse me and jets on the road Right. Uh, you know, th- that's th- that's tough. You know, a young team and experienced team like this to be able to bounce back, get back to earth. Joe, you know, I mean, I, I want to buy into Cincinnati, but we've seen this over the course of history. It- it's a stepping by step process. It really is. Uh, the-, the fact, the last like not Cinderella, but the last young, young team that I remember going all the way to the Super Bowl was the Dallas Cowboys. When they were facing off 93, right? Yeah, Yeah. there you go. Good job. Yes. Well, well, here's the thing. Normally, it's a step-by-step process.
3: Well, here's the thing, Scotty. You know, in terms of what FanDuel does, and we uh, we could talk about it on the back end, they still have Derrick Henry right there with Elijah Mitchell as the top rusher in the playoffs at plus 430. How big of a role will he have this weekend in Nashville? When we come back, we'll talk about the NFC battle in Green Bay. Keep it where it is Back on Pro Football Full Circle, Joe Lisi, Scott Wetzel breaking down the divisional games. Talked about Derrick Henry and Tennessee. And Scott said if you if you want to buy into Derrick Henry at plus 430, not a bad bet, but Foreman is 30 to 1. So you could play both of those players if you believe Tennessee can advance over Cincinnati and more importantly, Potentially get to the Super Bowl, so see how that plays out over the next couple of games. We'll turn our attention to the battle in Lambeau. We mentioned the injury to Jimmy Garoppolo, a shoulder sprain slightly scott we know he's got the thumb issue he did throw for 172 no touchdowns one interception against dallas that was a bad interception as well i mean i have no idea where the hell he was throwing that football he's gonna need his a game in this ball game i right now still lean to green bay and i lean to the under in this matchup because if this gets into a shootout i don't have enough confidence in in Graps going toe-to-toe with a rod in this ball game
4: yeah, neither do I. It, you, I tell you, it's amazing, Joe. Some of these quarterbacks really got exposed. When you – you know, hindsight's a beautiful thing, 2020. Uh, when, you, when you think about it, you know, you had a you know, somewhat experienced quarterback in Josh Allen going into rookie. You know, that, that should have been a no-brainer. Uh, Jalen Hurts against Tampa Bay, he didn't have a shot in the world. God, he looked awful, right? I mean, he had no business <laughs> being in an NFL uniform. Uh, You know Ben Roethlisberger looked as old as old can be you know he's done Kyle Murray last night same thing Joe Burrow may have been the one that kind of upset the apple cart young guy versus the experienced guy in Derek Carr Although that was Carr's first uh, you know playoff appearance in which he actually played so and then Jimmy G You know it's the same type of thing with him right I mean he's a good quarterback But he's prone to make the mistake go back to the Super Bowl or not make the big play Uh, You know either makes the mistake or fails to make the big play and and boy that interception was just awful And then not being able to pick up the first down. You don't wait for the offensive lineman to get set. I mean, just stupid plays. This is why he probably won't be on San Fran next year. And uh, they probably won't win a Super Bowl because of him. And it's just he's good enough to, you know, keep it competitive. And, you know, David gets into the postseason, obviously. But, boy, he's prone for making mistakes like that and
3: key points of games. Yeah, now, I brought up the X factor for me for the San Francisco 49er team, happens to be uh, George Kittle. Now, one reception, 18 yards, a non-factor, but if you're going to beat Green Bay, Uh, You need George Kittle to step up. You need him mismatched on linebackers, nickelbacks. I understand the productivity over the last three or four games hasn't been there. Maybe he is a little bit nicked up. But at this point, you know what? With the the season on the line, you got to suck it up. You know, take a quarter zone shot. Do whatever it takes in terms of dragging your ass out on the field. They're going to need him in the area of about 70 to 80 yards in terms of receptions. That will loosen up, obviously, the front seven. Then you could run it with Samuel and Eliza Mitchell and those running backs. I think he's poised for a breakout performance. I mean, give me another player outside of obviously Samuel. Could it be Ayuk? That, they never utilize Ayuk in the offense. And I'm shocked as to think why Jimmy Garoppolo and Shanahan never utilize this guy in terms of the elite passing game. Yeah, I don't get it. Uh, and with Kittle especially, you look at his last four games, Joe:
4: two receptions for 21 yards in a loss against Tennessee, one reception for two yards in a close win, 23-7 against Houston, uh, five receptions. Uh, you know, good news against the Rams, bad news for 10 yards, uh, which is just mind-boggling. To 10 yards on five receptions, but that's the number. And then uh, against Dallas, you mentioned a one reception for for uh, for 18 yards. I mean. You want it? Is he injured? Is, is that it? Well, you know, something's got to be going on because, you know, the games before then he had six for 93, 13 for 151, nine for 181. So something must have happened in that Atlanta game when he had six receptions for 93 yards, because he has not been the same since. And I don't think they go very far. You know, I don't think they beat uh, um, Green Bay. I don't need to beat Green Bay anyway, but they, they certainly don't even have a chance in my eyes if they don't get
3: something out of some of their wideouts, including Kittle. <laughs> He's going to have a cheap number in this ball game, right? He's going to—he's ha- going to, based off of productivity, you can't put him at eighty. He's going to no. be in the fifties for this ball game. I'm going to take a shot on him. Now, granted, he may be banged up, and I'm—and I'm rolling the dice with that type of breakdown. But at the end of the day, I don't see San Francisco just winning this ballgame status quo. They're going to have to get into the into the 20s to to win this ballgame, right? I mean, granted that might sound like it's an over, but at the end of the day, maybe that defense does contain Aaron Rodgers. Maybe they're able to sustain drives enough to keep him and those offensive playmakers on the sidelines, especially Devontae Adams. So I, I would think the winner of this ballgame, maybe it is Green Bay right there, 20 Seven, you know, I think Green Bay is going to win this ballgame, honestly. 27-17, they pull it out by 10 points. It's an under. But give me another scenario or something else that you're looking at to buy into the San Francisco narrative because I just, I don't see another way that they could pull this ballgame out.
4: Well, you want the, the good news
3: or the bad
4: news and then the, the bad news? I'll take it all. I, I, give it to me, me it off, all, Scott. There you go. There you go. We got seven minutes. We got plenty of time. All right. I'll give you the bad news. Bad news is they're playing on a short week. I Again, I don't know why the NFL does this, uh, but, uh, you know, the team that played uh, Sunday, you know, one of the later games, Sam Fran, Has got to play Saturday night in Green Bay, so that's not fun on a short week. Back-to-back road games. Bad news again. uh, Not only is this back-to-back road games for San Fran, it's back-to-back-to-back road games. Remember, they finished up at Los Angeles. Now they go to Dallas last week. Now they're going to Green Bay. Three straight road games and on a short week this week. Uh, Give me some good news, Scott. Scott. The only good news with all that, Joe, is uh, teams on three-game road trips the last four seasons in the regular season, thirteen and nine straight up wow. against the spread. So it's not so the death sentence that most San people Fred. think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, not. You know, it's not the death sentence that most people think. And in this year, four zero against the spread. I counted Saints, Colts, Cincy. Uh, actually 0-1 because they didn't cover against Cincy. 3-1 against the spread. Saints covered against uh, the Patriots' third game. Colts covered against Baltimore. Remember that game they blew? They should have won, but they did cover the spread. And then uh, Dallas against the Giants uh, in December was their third straight road game. The only one that lost was Cincinnati versus the Jets, which is a head-scratcher, you know, anyway. So so it's not the death sentence, but it's not an ideal situation, clearly.
3: Now, you're right about that. And back-to-back-to-back road games are difficult, but L.A. is in the same state. So at the end of the day, Yeah, but like San Fran's
4: up and LA's down, uh, right? I mean it's it's a yeah. bit of a hike. You, you know, no, it's, it's, I probably, gotcha. it's like traveling from New York to uh you know, to Virginia. Albany, you know, it, Albany. You're, oh, right. nah. I got gotcha. you. Let me Google. Let me Google that. Syracuse. It's probably Syracuse. Syracuse. I mean, (laughs) well, keep in
3: mind this too. (laughs) Keep in mind this too, and I I, I sort of recognize this throughout the Dallas game. Is that every borderline call seemed to be going San Francisco's way in terms of the refs, right? Every borderline call. Six hours, by the way six hours Ithic. it's it's 383
4: Ithic. miles so that, that's there going from go. new
3: york to uh you know
4: past ball well, you're going into maine now now you're into like portland maine all uh, right so i think syracuse like is
3: right in that wheelhouse but I, i'll digress in terms of that okay. i think when you when you just look at the calls and <laughs> and how this game plays out they're gonna have to start fast i mean here's the thing they fall behind 10 nothing it's done it's absolutely done for Jimmy Garoppolo. They become. Well, they fell behind 17-0 against the Rams. But that's, Regular season see, and won. I I agree. But for me, I think it's Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to take his foot off the pedal. I mean, are we going to compare Stafford to to Green Bay? At home, cold. Right. It's on right. the road. It's a night game. I mean, that's the only concern. They fall behind. I I think they fold. And I definitely think and and don't have confidence in Jimmy Garoppolo to step up in a big spot with a cold-weather environment. I think in order, if you're back in San Francisco and the numbers say that we should, they're going to have to jump out just the way they did against Dallas, right? Methodical drive, kick a field goal. Let's keep A-Rod on the sidelines. Let's force drives. Let's force him to be patient from the defensive side, and then can we get pressure? We'll see how it plays out. I'm still taking Green Bay. I'm taking the under in this ball game. And like I said, if I do back San Fran, the one player I'm jumping on is George Kittle. Whatever they post in terms of his total, I'm over it in this matchup. You taking the under or over in this ballgame, Scott? Uh You know, I'm an over player. Unders went
4: four and two in the wild card round here, so I'll probably go right back on the over, depending on the weather conditions. When when do you, you know, I had this discussion with the with Dane on In Game Live uh, all the time, and uh, not that we necessarily disagree, but it's a good debate. When does the game plan get thrown out the window if you're Sam Fran? you you, you're alluding to ten nothing. Do they do they stick to you know running the football, running the football? Is it seventeen nothing? Is it three scores? Is it is it, you know, I got from four scores when the Yeah, I, I think we both quarter. agree. San Fran wants to run the ball. As you mentioned, control the clock and keep the ball away Look, from Averroid. Right. So second, uh,
3: second quarter for me, if I'm Shanahan, if I can't two run scores. in the first quarter, yeah, down two scores, second quarter, midway, I'm starting right. to panic. If I, if I recognize I can't run the football, especially if I take the opening drive, I think that's the biggest thing is that when we talk about backing road teams, You want them to score first. It's almost like, you know, we see them defer to the second half, and I think that's a poor assessment, especially if I'm a running team. I want to back my offensive line. So in this matchup, when you have a lethal quarterback, just a sniper in terms of Aaron Rodgers, that wants to jump up and push tempo with the best of them, I want to neutralize that. I don't care that they may get the football in the second half. I want to set the tone early with the physical offensive line, my running backs, Debo Samuel. Let's run the football. Let's take six or seven minutes off the clock. And guess what? We're going to strike first. I don't want the football and then three and out, and then Rodgers comes in two plays, Adams, 60-yard touchdown, and all of a sudden it's game on because I got a quarterback that I still don't believe in 100% that can lead us to the promised land, even though we did it a couple years ago. The defense isn't as elite, in my opinion, even though they stepped up against Dallas where they were when they faced off against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I I agree. I I don't know why teams do
4: that, you know, defer – uh, you know, the only way you can do that is, is you know, you're going to get less possessions, um, you know, theoretically, because, you know, the opposing team who's getting the ball can get the ball, you know, to close out the first half and then get the ball to start. I, I don't, I just, I take the ball, you know, I, I like right. hopping on top. You know, I, I just, you know, I my I guys do. are all pumped up. They're all excited, you know, get the game underway. And what do we do? We, we stick our offense on the bench. And, uh, you know, let me, let me utilize some of that emotion right. on my offense versus my defense. Especially
3: Scott, when you don't, have the quarterback advantage. It's one thing if you have an equal quarterback, Brady and let's say Rodgers, okay? All right, you want your defense to set the tone. I get that because you have an experience. We have a quarterback that we have major concerns on, and and he's a product of the system in Garoppolo. Yes, he's efficient. Yes, he can make some throws. But at the end of the day, if we're talking Garoppolo and A-Rod, it's not even close at this point. And you know that Aaron Rodgers is going to be like, okay, the world believes I can't win a Super Bowl. They're against me. You know he's gonna come out and he's gonna look for Adams on almost each and every play. Bing, bing, and now it's fourteen nothing and you're searching for answers. Throw the running the running schematic out the window for Shanahan.
4: Yeah. Yeah, it's a, listen, this is going to be a difficult game anyway. You know, they faced them once at home and they couldn't beat them. And that's when Green Bay was all wounded. I I just think it's, it's got all the year mark, Green Bay, Tampa Bay. You know, it's been a rough year for the NFL. That's the dream matchup. You know, they, they don't want the Rams. They certainly don't want San Francisco. And generally what the NFL wants, the NFL gets.
3: Yeah, when we come back, we'll wrap it up with some weekly specials in our number one. Joe Lisi and Scott Wetzel right here on The Grid. Keep it where it is.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com.
3: Rockin' and rolling right here on Pro Football Full Circle. Hour number one, Jolisi Scott Wetzel. Mike Carver will be joining us in hour number two. We talked about San Francisco and Green Bay at Lent. There's a couple of weekly specials, Scott, for this game. And it, it is intriguing that they do bring up George Kittle, which we just talked about. Devontae Adams and George Kittle to combine for 200 receiving yards in this ballgame, 2-1. to one. So, the book sort of believes that Kittle will be a factor in this ballgame because I don't see Adams leading the way with a buck 70, do you? Uh, I wouldn't think so. Uh,
4: I, I wouldn't think so. You know, I, I got those real quickly, Joe, if you want to go over those. Just, just just let me rip them down to, from last week. I don't have – you know, I got to write down the odds. But uh, Mitchell was the leader, 96 yards rushing. Mahomes passing 404. Mike Evans receiving 117. Lowest-scoring team was Arizona. Dallas and San Fran, the lowest game. Buffalo and New England was the highest game. I think that was the last choice, if memory serves me right. Or at least one of the last choices, right? It yeah, yeah, And in Buffalo, 47 was the highest-scoring team. Mm. So... These are fun. I, I I do like these, you know, but it, you know it's, it's not as easy as you, you would think. The only now, one that was easy was Mahomes with the most passing yards at four hundred four for the Well, week. I he will say, and I'll give
3: you credit. I think we talked about it on in-game live. Seventeen to one for a non-quarterback yes. to throw for a touchdown, and you said book it. Travis Kelsey hits the. The wide receiver in the end zone and the blowout in Arrowhead—that's a 17 to one winner. Now they instilled it. It opened as a 11 to one for anybody outside a quarterback. Now it's 12 to one. I got to be honest—they're sucking you in now. I can't see it yeah. happening in back-to-back weeks. But how about an offensive lineman, which we saw, to score a touchdown? We saw the Chiefs do it, 12 to one in the divisional round. You believe it? I would do that again. You got two less games this
4: week. You only have four, but I do like that play more than I do the, uh, non-offensive touchdown quarterback. Detroit. All
3: right. When we come back, we'll be joined by Mike Carver, pro football, full circle, breaking down all the AFC and, D- and NFC divisional games.
0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh,